0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope in trusting Your ways. We believe Jesus is real.
1: And Jesus is not content to be just part of your pecking order. He should be the person who chooses your pecking order. And I think what's going on for a lot of us right now is we like the idea of Jesus, but you don't want to be all in. You don't want to put all your chips, so to speak, in Jesus's basket. But my friends, unless all your chips are in Jesus's basket, you're not his disciple.
0: You can see it from infancy. People want to be the center of their own universe. As you grow up, you might get a little more sophisticated at hiding it, but the reality is that you still want to be in control of your world. Today, Pastor Daniel helps you to see that you can't really be a disciple of Jesus until you give Him the whole of your life. Jesus is asking you if you're all in with Him, if He's the focus of your world, or if you're the center, and He's just a small part of it. Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Before Everything. Jesus is real.
1: So what we find, quite simply, is that the Word of God is one with God. And obviously, if you've ever uh, had someone come knock on your door trying to give you a, a little pamphlet that's not the Bible, they'll always bring you to John 1.1. 1, 1. Because in their translation of their Bibles, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and they've translated it and the word was a God. Which is even more problematic because if you ever talk to someone who has a Jehovah's Witnesses background, they believe in Jesus for salvation, but it says that the word was a God, so I'm like, so you're a polytheist then. So the God who you believe in for salvation, so you believe in multiple gods, so Jehovah's not happy with you anyway. If you say that, say it nicely. <laughs> Please. I've learned this over time. I mean, I'll never forget this. I was like a young—I mean, I'm still kind of young, but you know, I'm older now. I'm more mature. Hope you know. I was a young, zealous believer, and, and these Jehovah—you know—folks, Jehovah Witnesses came over, and there were some, you know, young, two young girls and two young guys, and they didn't really know what they were in for. I felt bad for them, you know, because I kind of teed them up pretty good, you know. I had them, you know, I was working, and and I said. So can we look at John 1-1? They're like, oh, we're so happy you wanted to look at John 1-1, you know? And I'm like, so you believe in Jesus for your salvation? Yes, absolutely. Well, it says that he's a God, so he's not Jehovah God, so you believe in multiple gods. That's not going to be so good for you and Jehovah. And the two girls' eyes got really big. And then the two guys were like, we need to go right now, and the next week they send the old dudes. (laughs) The word was God. So some people say the Trinity's not, the, the word's not in the Bible. It's true. It's not in the Bible. But that word is the word that scholars have used to give the concept. Because if you're going to think, who is this Jesus who we believe in, who died on the cross for the sins of the world, what you learn here is that Jesus has always been, long before he was a baby in the manger, Jesus was with God. He was God. And so this word Trinity is the word that we've come up with to try and understand who is this God that created and sustained everything. Now, what we also learn here in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. So this idea of Jesus being preexistent. And John in his first epistle, so 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, explains the same thing. Listen to what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life, Now, the reason I wanted to give you Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3, now John 1, and 1 John 1, 1 to 5, because those three scriptures go together and they are the three places in the Bible that explains what happened in the beginning. And you want to study those. As you're... As you're meditating on the word of God this holiday season, you want to think that that child who we celebrate his birth. Now, I do need to say that everybody here knows that nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus was born on December 25th, right? So it's a day that we commemorate. I mean, Jesus' birth was so uneventful that nobody chose to write it down. So we have fixed him a birthday, a day that we can celebrate on it. But you all know that you should celebrate the reality of the coming of Jesus every day. Now, if me saying that December 25th isn't really Jesus' birthday, if that offends you, I'm so sorry. But you have to read your Bible. Just because culture grabs these things, or along the way, historically, someone said, well, his birthday was December 25th, doesn't mean that that's the day that it was. But the day is superfluous, really. Right? Like, today is National Human Rights Day. Everybody knew that? Now, can I just can be honest? Should we have like a National Human Rights Day or should every day be Human Rights Day? Right, it's like we have Grandparents Day. I can't believe they don't have National Twinkie Day yet. Because <laughs> I'm definitely celebrating National Twinkie Day every day. You know, it's like, it's like we decide that these days are important, but listen, the reality is, is that Jesus is here, he's real. But you want to understand that this child has always been. The word's preexistence, His distinctiveness. His deity. Is brought out in these verses. He was in the beginning with God. So notice that the word now gets personified as a he. This. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. In the company with God. That's what actually that word with actually means. Right? That word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So this idea that Jesus is God, he's always been as God always has. Now as you move into verse 3, we learn something else. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So this is simply stating the fact that Jesus is the creator God. So Jesus is the creator God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So what that means for each one of us is that everything that exists, exists because Jesus was the creator God. In the beginning, God created the heaven. This is who Jesus is. Now, what's important about this, and I think we all need to grab hold of this, is this elevates Jesus above all of the material worlds. In the early church, as much as it is today, people want to demean Jesus and say, well, Jesus is just like the first among many. Or, you know, you know, he's just like everybody else. No, he's not. Jesus supersedes and is greater than all of the created order. And that is why we believe, as followers of Jesus, that we should worship Jesus. And I think this is really where it boils down. It's one thing for people to think that Jesus, yeah, he's a good dude, good teacher. We like ourselves Jesus. It's another thing to say, we worship Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, if you take your Bible seriously at all, you have to realize that you need to worship Jesus because Jesus is the greatest ever. And he is greater than all of creation. Jesus, And that's why Jesus could say, unless you hate your father and your mother, your spouse, your children, your lands then you can't be my disciple. He's not saying you should hate your parents. He's not saying you should hate your spouse. He's not saying you should hate your kids. He's not saying you should hate your life. He's just saying you need to make sure that when you prioritize things in your heart, that you prioritize what is meant to be the priority. And Jesus is not content to be just part of your pecking order. He should be the person who chooses your pecking order. And I think what's going on for a lot of us right now is we like the idea of Jesus, but you don't want to be all in. You don't want to put all your chips, so to speak, in Jesus's basket. But my friends, unless all your chips are in Jesus's basket, you're not his disciple. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because what I'm realizing in my own life and when I look around, I look at the people of God, I realize is that within the church, there are people who... Jesus is truly all that there is, and then there's a lot of shades of, well, Jesus is part of my life. Like, I like Jesus as long as he doesn't require anything hard from me. I like Jesus as long as he's gonna give me what I want, but if Jesus doesn't give me what I want, then I don't like Jesus, and I'm gonna find me somebody else to believe in because I didn't get what I want. Or there's all these different gradients within of where we place Jesus. And that's why within the Christian faith, there are people who are full of love and humility. And there are people who after church, they're going to cut you off in the parking lot and they're going to flip you the bird and they're going to come back next Sunday. Because that stuff happens. And it's horrible. You're like, you were just in church. Because in the end of the day, Jesus is cool unless I, it takes me a little while to get out of the parking lot. You know, like that, that's all, that whole Jesus thing school, But now I'm mad. Because I, I got to get home because I got my food in the oven. I got a football game to watch. And food's going a little long. You know? But brothers and sisters, listen. And you guys realize that stereotypically, and I know stereotypes are not always right. Stereotypes, people talk, when they talk about big churches, it's, like, oh, it's, it's like nobody's really a Christian there. They go hide in a big church. You know, because really small churches when real Christians exist. Now, what's funny is that there are, are real Christians in and out of every church. But brothers and sisters, you should not be content for Jesus to be just a part of your life because he is the creator and sustainer. The reason you exist is because of Jesus. You know, every breath that you take and every gift that you have has been given to you by Jesus. And that's just not like, oh, great, well, thanks for the life, bro. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. No. No. In him, we live and move and have our being, and he is rightfully deserving of all of our lives. All of our lives. The totality of who we are, far above everything. You choose Jesus over your spouse, Jesus over your job, Jesus over your kids, Jesus over your hopes for the future. You let Jesus define these things. But there's too much today of I define them and I get Jesus involved in it. And Jesus will invite each one of us on unique paths. Paths we never would have thought doing things that are kind of you're like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. You realize that no one ever became a hero doing what's expected of them. N- nobody ever changes the world by functioning within the status quo. Nobody ever does something that has any lasting value that does not involve risk and detractors. And we live in such a stringent, conformist culture today that the people of God are getting hemmed in rather than saying, my Lord is the creator God, and if he's inviting me to take this step, who cares if it fails? Because if it fails, it'll be part of his plan. He's going to work it out anyway. Jesus is the greatest, and our visible universe owes all of its origin and complexity to the power and the creative mind of our God who revealed himself to us in Jesus. And that's why Paul says the same thing in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, about Jesus being greater than the physical world. Paul says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, in him, and in him all things consist. All things are through him and for him. You exist for Jesus. Without Jesus, you do not exist. And not only not you, not anything, whether you can see it or the invisible, all things. That's why when it says that all authority has been given to me, Jesus said, in heaven and on earth, that's authority over terrorists, that's authority over disease, that's authority over uh, natural disasters. All of it is under Jesus' authority. Jesus has complete and total power over all of it. And when we submit ourselves and surrender our lives to him, then all of a sudden some really amazing things start to go on. Because the God of the all-powerful, the God of nothing is impossible, begins to invite us with all of our issues, with all of our failings, with all the struggles that we have in our lives. And he says, hey, I want to go do this thing. You want to come? And most of us are like, no. I don't want to go I like my little Comfortable existence here It's better It's safe But the thing is is God's got a plan Every time in the Bible It's always amazing God says who shall I send There's always one crazy lone nut job Who says send me Lord And I kind of want to encourage All of you just to be nuts like be crazy nuts, be the one nuts person when God says, hey, I want to eradicate malaria. You say, Lord, send me. Someone said, I want to eradicate homelessness because it's freezing outside right now. And there are people living in our community on the streets. I want some low nut to say, send me. When you look at childhood malnutrition, there's more than enough food to feed everybody. Why Someone needs to step up and say, Lord, send me. And if all of God's people say, Lord, send me, you know what happens? God begins to transform our community and our world. And I love what God's doing because in our midst, we have a lot of this going on where people are starting to say, why not me? Why not me? Because we're so busy saying, why me, Lord? I mean, can't you get someone better? Sure, you can get someone better. But he wants to use you. You know why? Because when he chooses you and he uses you, you can't be like, well, of course it all happened because I'm so good. You're like, dude, I'm the last person that should have gone. Because everyone's like, well, who's going to go? And everyone's like, no, not me. like, I got nothing better to do. <laughs> Will you promise you to step out? Allow the Lord to see you as an available vessel. And you don't have to think all crazy stuff. Just what's right in front of you that God wants to fix? See, simply responding to Jesus is always about doing just the next thing. The next thing that's right in front of you. Oh, this thing happened. Oh, so, okay, so, you know, I was just thinking about this because for many of us, the problem is we're confused. But you know what the beauty is? This confusion leads to clarity. The reason you're confused is God wants to do something different today. And you're trying to get him to do the little thing he did last time. They like, no, I got something new. So you're confused because God wants to do something different. And you got to say, that confusion is an opportunity for me to get fresh clarity. When God shuts the door, he doesn't open a window. He opens another door. It's not even a better door. It's just a different thing. But for many of us, we're like, no, I'm going to just sit here. And God will tell me what to do. It's like, no, just take a step. The writer of the Hebrews says it this way. I love this. On this idea of Jesus being the creator, the sustainer. Without him, nothing happens. Hebrews 1 verse 2. He has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So this Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. You and I and everybody exists Through him and for him. That surely changes the idea of Jesus, doesn't it, a little bit. Now there's one more step that we're going to take here today. Look at verses 4 and 5, John 1. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we need to let Jesus share his life. And his light with us. You need to let Jesus share his light and his life with you. That's what Jesus wants to do. Because notice what it says. In him was life. Think about that. That true life. Now, of course, we already read that John in his first letter, I've written these things that you might have joy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they may have life more abundantly. See, what Jesus is offering is in him, in Christ, is real, true, abundant life. Not boring life. Not ho-hum life. Not, well, I'm just trying to make it through to retirement age and I'm hoping secure social security will be there when I get there. That is not life. Life. That might be the way we do things here, but that's not the life that God's talking about. God is talking about a life that is drenched with his presence. A life where even the most mundane thing is now infused with such powerful meaning because God is saying, I am with you in the midst of this and I want to grow you up. See, that's what the abundant life is. The abundant life isn't having all the abundant things you think you want. The abundant life is the presence of God no matter what. And in Jesus is life. And then it says, and that life is the light of men. See, in the Bible, light is always used for the presence of God, for what it means for purity, for clarity. And what we see here is that Jesus wants to share his life with you, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how messed up your world is right now. Jesus saying, in me is life, and my life is supposed to be your light. I love this. And the life was the light of men. This means the light of people. I always say this when we read this, because what about the women? It's like, back in the day, they weren't concerned about gender-neutral language. It's assumed men were people. Mankind, now we say humankind, right? So the life that's in Christ is designed to be light for you. And then to clarify it a little bit more and to remind us of creation, it says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, my friends, listen, this is super important. Because we live in a day and age where the people of God, we want light of Jesus, but we don't want to leave darkness. And we have these very well-worn, very well-reasoned parts of darkness that we value, that whenever someone says in Jesus' name, hey, you got to be careful, oh, don't judge me, don't you know that? And they give you all the things, but the simple reality is, is light does not broker with darkness to say, well, listen, you can have 80%, I got 20%. You turn a light on and guess what happens to darkness? It dispels. And for too many of us, we are trying to broker with the light to maintain darkness. And really all you're doing, like the Apostle Paul, is you're kicking against the goats. You're you're swimming against the current. And this has become so common because in 21st century American Christianity, we don't believe in the holiness of God anymore. We don't believe in a God who is so pure that his eyes can't behold evil. His eyes can't even look upon evil without having a reaction to it. And we're saying, I want life, but I also want this thing on the side. But I love this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness didn't even comprehend it just like in the beginning on the first day of creation darkness was over the face of everything the spirit was hovering the, and the Lord said let there be light and there was light and guess what happened to the darkness, it fled and my friends, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior if you surrender your life to Jesus Jesus will be dispelling the darkness from your life
0: Today, Pastor Daniel challenged you to usher in your own spiritual reboot by spending time thinking about who Jesus is and his place in your life. As you go all in with Jesus and give him control, you will experience God's presence in new and transformative ways. With Jesus at the helm, you'll have the opportunity to do amazing things. Yes, There's a risk and pain, but it will be worth it as Jesus brings his light to shine on the dark places of your life. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today.
1: It's such an amazing honor to share God's word and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter.
0: Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel delves into what it means to be a witness for Christ. As you study the example of John the Baptist, you'll be compelled to consider whether you, like John, are willing to confront the cultural status quo as a mouthpiece for the Lord. You'll learn that all Christians are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to share God's love with others in the hopes of drawing them to Christ. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Reset, A New Birth, A Fresh Start. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.